and welcome to uh, the second episode of Habibi Collective's podcast, an educational resource and insider guide to the industry. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome actress Alia Shopat onto the show. Uh, okay, so yeah, I'm just going to jump straight in. Uh, so you were born in LA and uh, you started your career pretty early at the age of nine with, uh, with Three Kings and then uh, soon with the TV sitcom Arrested Development uh, and then since then, I was doing my research. I believe you've been in over 45 uh, movies and TV shows, according to Wikipedia. Um, <laughs> most recently, the uh, incredible indie drama uh, Duck Butter and uh, Kelly Reichardt's new film First Cow. Uh, so, of course, your, your talent is, is indisputable. But what do you think the main reasons were for you getting your foot in the industry at such a young age? And because you started so young, how have you managed to find your own interests within your career path and, and sort of shape your career in the direction that you want it to go in? Very good question. Um, <clears throat> well, I was actually born in Palm Springs, which is um, this like small uh, desert town, two hours southeast of LA. And um, so when I was young, I, I was, you know, so my parents say I was six when I was like, I want to be on TV, which is crazy for a six year old. You should never trust any six year old who says that. Um, but my, my mom was like, there's nothing really we can do. We kind of live in this like small town. And her father was an actor in, in his own right, like in the fifties and sixties and had a you know really great career. But all the people that he had worked with were dead practically at that stage, you know, so she had no connection to Hollywood at all. But, um, yeah, it wasn't until I was nine that we kind of went to LA and I just, um, I went to like a cattle call, which I don't know if they do those really anymore, but it's just a bunch of kids and their parents and they're all gathered together and, you know, you have to read a scene in front of these like people and it's very jarring and kind of strange and, and it really does, does feel like a cattle call, just like kids everywhere and parents like talking to their kids really intensely, like, you gotta do this, you know? And my, my parents were very chill about it. They were just like, I had just kind of been haranguing them. I was like, I want to be on TV. I was like, I don't know what to tell you. I, gotta, I, gotta, I can do this. And they were like, I don't know. You have to go to LA and get an agent. And I was like, okay, so get me an agent. I was like, I knew what I wanted more then than I do now. It was crazy. So um, anyway, so long story short, I mean, I got, you know, picked by, you know, a couple of us got picked in that group. And then I did an audition for an agency because it's like, there's all these like weird steps. You have to pay people pretty much, you know, for them to give you an opportunity at that age when you're kids. And um, so then I auditioned for an agent and then me and this other boy got, got picked. And so this agent sent me out on auditions like within the week. And one of the first auditions I went on was a Barbie commercial that I got. It was like Barbie and a Porsche. So it's like me with like, you know, they like straightened my hair like really tight and pulled it over my head and it was like Barbie in a Porsche. Um, so I know I need to find that, like it's on a resurface. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. Um, so I did that and then, yeah, like my third or fourth audition was for Three Kings where, you know, me and my father actually have been talking about it more recently because he found all these old photos he took on set, but it was so strange that you know, for him, I can only imagine he's an Iraqi immigrant who like moves to, you know, America, California and his daughter ends up growing up and her first big job is uh, playing an Iraqi immigrant. You know, it was like really strange and kind of fortuitous. Um, but yeah, David O. Russell directed it. And I just remember having this kind of like really intense audition where I just had to like cry a lot 
because my mother dies. And they're like, so just react to all these disturbing things. And I was like, okay. Um, so yeah, that was like a huge job. You know, it was three months, um, you know, all these people who are, you know, pretending to be, you know, Saddam Hussein um, army and like fake Iraq in, in Arizona, Casa Grande, Arizona. Very surreal. And my father, being Iraqi, ended up becoming an advisor on the film because David O. Russell was like, you're actually Iraqi? <laughs> you know, because like back then it wasn't as precious to make sure everybody was Iraqi. Not that people care that much more now, but people are trying, I think, a little bit. But um, they were like, he's actually Iraqi. He became a, a language advisor. He actually got a, his SAG card on the job doing a, playing an Iraqi guard, Saddam Hussein's guard. Um, so it was like a really familial, like big experience for my whole family. And they were kind of like, this might be the last job the only job, you know? Um, and then it kind of just started from there, you know? It was just auditions and I did a TV show called State of Grace that was, um, I was like 11 to 14 or 11 to 13. And yeah, it was just a really big like learning experience. Doing a TV show, you're doing lots of scenes every day, you know, and you're, um, I was, it was kind of like a wonder years for girls. So it's like, it was through my POV and then Frances McDormand was like my Daniel Stern. Like she was my voiceover talking about her childhood. So it was a really beautifully written show. And um, I wish it could be on like Netflix or something, but they're having trouble with the music rights because it's in the sixties. So it's all these like cool famous songs. But, um, but yeah, I just kind of kept working. You know, uh, when I think back on it, when I was young, I still had a very split life. Like I had school half the year and hanging out with my brothers in the desert in this kind of small town. And then I'd go work some of the time. But it wasn't like, I was like on the run, on the hustle every day. You know, it was kind of like a, a nice mix. And when I was younger, I loved doing it. It was so fun, but I never looked at it as a career because um, my parents were fortunate enough to have a business of their own. And I didn't touch my money till I was 18. So it was very like, this is something you do, but you have to have good grades and also like play on sports and like do the whole regular life kind of thing. And I'm really grateful for that because I think that balanced me out, you know, a lot where I never was like, I got to support my family at a young age, which a lot of friends of mine who are actors at that age did. And um, so, yeah, then, I mean, fast forward to I'm 18. I had done Arrested Development for three years. Um, nobody knew what the fuck it was. It was not like a hit at all. It was just like a failure on Fox, even though we won awards. Um, so when the show finished, I was 18. And, you know, I'm all of a sudden like coming into my womanhood and feeling uncomfortable in my body, but also feeling sexual and like not understanding what kind of person I'm supposed to play in media and auditioning to play usually the ethnic best friend. And I was like, I'm not that ethnic. You know, or like, why can't I just be the lead girl? Or like, why can't I just audition? Why do I have to play this kind of, it was always half something, you know? She's like half Iranian, she's like half Indian, she's half Mexican, something to explain like how I look, you know? And I was just always really, I had a big chip on my shoulder about it. I was really kind of upset and I didn't like it. And I was like, fuck the industry, fuck Hollywood. I don't want to do this anymore. Even though I was auditioning, I had an attitude, like for sure. I would just kind of walk in there and not care. And it was coming across and my agents were even like, we got the feedback and they said, you seem like you didn't want to be there. And I was like, I didn't, I did not want to be there. But it's like, you know, I'm 18, I had made all this money, not like insane, but I made a lot of money since I was young. So I was kind of, you know, living off of it, but also like I moved to New York and I lived there 
Um, I started dating someone and I kind of just took a break, not by choice, but it ended up happening. I just didn't work for like a year. And I had worked since I was young. So I was like, what else do I do? Can I do anything else? Is this all I know how? Um, and I'd see all these like other actresses my age and the way that they were, you know, showing themselves or just presenting themselves, uh, I really didn't relate to. I was like, I don't really feel like I'm one or the other. I don't know. Um, so it was a hard time, 18, 19. I was like kind of struggling where I was just like, I don't know what to do. Uh, I started painting then, which is now a huge part of my life. Um, I'm in my studio. And, um, and then it wasn't until, you know, I feel like when you have a career, if you're lucky enough to keep doing it and want to keep doing it, you have to re-evolve every now and then to relate to like, why do I do this? How, why do I still want to do this? And how do I want to do it differently? So I got this audition for this movie called Whip It, directed by Drew Barrymore and uh, starring Elliot Page. And it was like such a great part. And like, really, I was like, I'm made for this role. She was half ethnic, of course, um, Iranian or something. But I was like, I, I can do this. She's funny. And it's like, this is actually something I want. Like, I want this again. And so I really worked on the audition. I memorized my lines. It seems like a simple task, but if you memorize the audition goes so much better. <laughs> and, um, and I really killed it. And it's, I still had to jump through a lot of hoops because they were like, she was on Arrested Development, but nobody really, like Arrested Development didn't become popular until years later. So it was like, I had worked already for how many years and I still was like a nobody, you know? But um, Drew was amazing and was like, this is the girl for the part. So that job really changed um, my life a lot. I worked with all these amazing women on that film and some of the best, you know, people in filmmaking. DPs, wardrobe, like the number one, like people who work on all these huge films. And I was like, I love this. I want to do this. This is my favorite job ever. So kind of since then, I was like, what do I, I, I need to appreciate the work I get and really try and work for it, you know? So then I started just focusing more. And then honestly, every five years since then, you know, I'm 31 now. Um, I've had to take us, I've had a couple, like every five years I stop and go, okay, do I just want to do small parts in indie movies? And then I'm like, I like that, but I, maybe I want to do something that takes a little more of my time and effort and it's a little more challenging. I got Search Party and that was like, took up a lot of my time and I became a producer on it. And just like, you know, things built. And um, I think when you're already in an industry, you get sent opportunities and, you know, people say it's like, it's the stuff you say no to as well as yes to, but it's like, it's a lot of luck too. You know, search party I never thought would kind of go in a million years. I was like, this is too weird and specific and I'm not a name, no one knows who I am. And the cast and everyone who came together is what made it so unique. And it just, we ended up making something really great, I think. And so, you know, everything's like, it's so crazy. I feel like I'm really old now <laughs> in the sense that when I look back on stuff, I'm like, things were different back in the day. But um, it, it was, it was just like, you really used to get sent just like an audition and just be like, I hope this goes somewhere, you know? And now it's a, there's very different opportunities. You know, people are making careers through Instagram, through media, through different kinds of things that they can make specifically. And all of a sudden they're seen by these people who are higher up, but who are desperate for young information. And they're like, show us what's cool. We'll give you all this money to do it, you know? And you're like, all right, cool. So I kind of came up in a lot more traditional format. And so it's kind of funny now watching it evolve. And, you know, now I'm in a place where I sold a, a pilot for a show that's like the 
most personal to me, like about my family and my life. And, um, you know, I'm so excited. And if someone had told me years ago that I would be here, I'd be like, fuck yeah, I made it. And yet it's still just as fucking challenging. You know, I'm like sitting here in my studio. I'm like, I guess today I'll write my opus, you know, like let's hope it, it comes out. Um, but it's just like one moment at a time, just being like, okay, I have to show more of myself, which sounds kind of messed up, but you have to like, not in a way that feels not good, like, ugh, take it. More like you have to show, you have to be more personal about your art. You have to really expose what you're trying to say. The more you make art, I feel like as you evolve, that's the hardest part. It's like, now I'm at a point where I'm like, it is all on the table. I am not just an actress who's coming in a little outfit, smiling, doing my lines, you know? I'm like, I have to talk about everything if I want to be the artist, uh, you know, I want to be. So. You're, you really answered all my questions. Okay. <laughs> I realize um, it's a lot long. <laughs> no, but I mean, the, the fact that you're saying yeah. about sort of, uh, I guess, opening up or like, almost like branding your, yourself and, and whatever yeah. like that, that step towards self-representation, which maybe helps you break out from all of those stereotypes is like, oh, quirky girl, or like that, like, you know, if you kind of write your own narrative, I guess, in, into things, then that like stops other people from sort of doing that for you. I don't know, but um, yeah, so um, let's focus it more on, um, yeah, I guess, I guess the, the Arab community in, in Hollywood is, you know, is yeah. there one? Um, and how do you, I mean, how do you also operate in those circles as like, uh, because you, you're bisexual, right? As like a, a, a queer woman, like how do you, because I always find like, especially going to, to visit my family in LA, you know, it's very conservative because they, they kind of left, like not my family, but the community left like in the kind of first Gulf War. So it's like, they kind of have their like 90s idea of what it means to be like Iraqi and, and like, yeah, being, I mean, being a queer woman, like how, you know, it's hard. It's like, how do you, how do you express yourself within those, um, yeah, within, within those circles, you know, if, if they exist for you? Definitely. I mean, it's funny being first generation because I was born and raised in California. So I've never been to Iraq. Um, I've been to other places in the Middle East, but because of my work, like I went to Jordan and shot a film and became close with, you know, a lot of Palestinian crew members and Lebanese and, you know, people who were like, hey, you know, like the way you said my name at the beginning, it feels so good. I'm like, you know my name, like, you know how to say it, like Ali Ashokan, you know, like they're like, yeah, you're part of us. And I just felt like so welcomed. And that was a huge, um, a huge kind of piece to my like narrative of myself and stuff, reconnecting to that. Um, but, you know, I think that as time goes on and, you know, there's, there's weird sides to it, uh, of it, but the, the positive side is that in our community, in the artist community, people now who are, who are of like different groups and ethnicities kind of like form together, you know? So lots of people like, um, you know, like Riz Ahmed, who's like an amazing, um, actor, I remember when I met him at some award show and I was just like a fan of his and he was like, you're Rocky, right? And I was like, yeah. And he was like, all right, you're with us. Like you're, you're coming with us, you know? And, and he's like an amazing person. He like really pulls together such a great group of like amazing brown people and just being like, we need to stick together. We need to change the narrative. And, you know, he's very active, much more so than I am politically. But, um, you know, so there's like two worlds. There's like the the public world and like the work creative world when you're meeting creative people from similar backgrounds. And in that world, it's like, you know, there's not really any judgment. Everyone's so open. And I've like, you know, like Rami Yusuf and uh, is like an amazing comedian, like his show and he, I'm a boss who plays his mom and that has played my mother, like 
three times and hopefully three more times after. She's an amazing actress. Yeah. And so I take a moment sometimes and look and I'm like, oh, there is a, an Arab community that is like totally building. And as I'm making my show, I'm like, I know lots of actors now who are actually Arabic, which is great. So I don't have to like hire someone who like kind of looks Arabic. Um, and, you know, my goal is that in the next handful of years, I'm really only using those resources to pull in. And it's just so beautiful to see young people, you know, even being you, it's like all these things where I'm like, wait, people, uh, the Arab community are making such rad shit. And, and our world is so beautiful and unique and specific. And it sadly doesn't have as big of a space, I don't think, in Hollywood, if, if you will. You know, it's like slowly starting to. Um, but why do you I, think that why do you think there isn't um like a space and how do you think that it can be built i think there isn't a space because we've been in so many wars you know i think about like the irony or not that like iraq has been you know taken over by the states so many times like how many wars have happened there and you know if you watch the narrative of films over time with war the bad guys in the movies are always who we're kind of at war with you know, so at first it was like the Russians, they're the bad guys. And then it's the Germans, you know, and then it's the Arabs. And it's like Arabs have been the bad guys for so long. And, you know, people who are even somewhat educated still have this idea of what Muslims are like or what Arabs are like. Like, it's just like, like there was a film, now I can't remember, I think it was like Cesario 2 or something. And I saw it with my dad and my brother. And we walked out because the opening sequence is a, is a man, a Muslim man praying and then blowing himself up. And then the whole rest of the narrative is about like the border in Mexico. And you're like, what did that have to do with anything? Like, why do we have to be like, just remember Arabs are terrorists. Okay, let's move on and get to our white male like leader and we'll, he'll save everybody and it'll be great. And it's like, people just kind of are like, yeah, that's fine. You know, that's, that's totally fine. Like, let's just keep going. So I think that it's like, it's uncomfortable for people. And yet, you know, there's some room because this is the kind of gross side I think of it is like, obviously any space and welcoming, wanting to tell these stories is positive. But I still have this little chip where I'm like, you just want it because I'm Arab. You know what I mean? It's like, just because I'm a woman, because I'm queer, that's why you like it. Cause it's like different, but it's like, you kind of have to take it as it comes. You know, I'm like, maybe they're doing it to look good. Who gives a shit? It's an opportunity. I got to, my job is to actually tell the right narrative when I have the opportunity, you know? But I mean, it's like a really tricky thing. And then, and then separate of that, how I actually am in my family's community is like, you know, my mom is like white, freckled, blonde hair. Um, she kind of grew up in Hollywood her whole life. And then, you know, my dad's side of the family is all Iraqi that he brought over. And it's like such a weird mix. So like the world that I grew up in, I always used to say is more like culturally Muslim, you know, I was never like, we celebrated all the fucking American holidays, but then we also celebrated Ramadan, but nothing was ever strict. So everything was just kind of like from this weird gaze where I was like, I'm aware of it, but I don't actually like feel it. I don't have this like religious like drive in my life. But, you know, a film like Duck Butter, for example, you know, I'm like making love with a woman, I'm naked in the movie a lot, all these things. My family was proud of me, but like, they didn't advertise it. They weren't, that was the movie they did not talk about. They, t they talked about the least, you know, they weren't like telling their friends to go see it. My father still hasn't seen it. And we had a conversation about it. Like he knows I'm, you know, bisexual. He's very kind and accepting of it, but he just, just wants to go, whatever makes you happy, that's okay with me, you know? And I'm like, okay, dad, cool. I guess we won't talk about this. Um, but you know, that movie was a big deal for me because I wrote it and I produced it and I started and it was like the biggest, you know, it was personally the biggest thing for me. 
and they were there at the premiere and they were very supportive, but they just didn't talk about the movie. You know, they were just like, we're not gonna talk about the fact that you have sex 24 times in a movie with a woman. Um, so sometimes I'm like, am I like, are we really talking about all the things I wanna talk about with them? But then there's this other side where I'm like, I'm respectful, I don't need to rub it in their face, like that kind of thing. But you know, this show that I'm working on now is very personal and there's kind of no way to hide it. And it's a lot about, about my family. I'm literally writing characters based off of my parents. So they're very supportive of it. And it'll be interesting to see when the details of the show actually air ideally. And you know, it becomes something because it's, it's, it's very much talking about that discrepancy. And also sexuality in general, I think with an Arab woman is something that I'm like fascinated by. I'm just like, where is the sexuality? Where is my pleasure in all of this? And, you know, my, my family owns a strip club. So that's mainly what the show's about. So I've always had this kind of like weird in and out kind of thing where I'm like, I don't know if I feel comfortable with this or like, where do I stand, you know, in all of this? And I can only tell my perspective, you know, from like what I grew up in and not being like, I'm speaking for the whole female Arab community, but just like, it's, um, I just haven't really seen it, you know, we talk about it in small ways, but I haven't seen it in like a big, a big scale. Yeah, I always feel the same as well, because I think like, I always recognize, I always like highlight my subject position being like in the West, you know, like being able to talk about sexuality and sexuality as an Arab woman, but also from very much from a place of privilege. And like right. a lot of the time I see like, um, I mean, with films, like a lot of films have their censored version, which is like kind of shown in the region. And then like the kind of, you know, and it's, it's crazy how much like, and there's so, so many films that are still banned today, like, um, uh, like I still hide to smoke the you know Algerian film about like women's sexuality like in the hammam like how you know and that's still you know pretty much yeah I don't think it has been shown maybe yet in Algeria like it's um, yeah it's it it's it's definitely like a strange kind of like yeah and then approaching that with your family and the, the culture like it's a it's a lot and um even yeah even being from like uh yeah i mean obviously being irish iraqi as well like it feels like even then you still can't like talk about that you know sort of stuff with family and then it's like oh does that really mean i'm being myself my family like yeah it's uh, a yeah. it you know it comes from a place of privilege being able to express all of this but at the same time your culture is your culture you still can't talk about stuff at home that you can talk about in the internet or in movies <laughs> or, or whatever and everyone's like you're so open and like out there and all this stuff and i'm like yeah, in some ways you know like yeah. there's still something that i feel shameful about and not because my family's very supportive and, and great but again because we i was raised in america and from privilege i'm like that's what my father struggled to get here and to start a career and make a family and all this stuff is his his struggle, my grandmother's struggle was so I can like sit here and like wear nice outfits and be like, isn't it interesting, women's sexuality, you know? Yeah. And I, I feel that gripe a lot, you know, it's like a pull because also when you're, I feel like when you're mixed, you feel a kind of strange, you know, in between. Like I remember years ago, my therapist was referencing something and she was like, you know, and as a woman of color, and I was like, are you talking about me? You know, I was like, am I a woman of color? And she was like, yeah. You know, she was like, you are. And I was like, wow, I never even felt comfortable to like take up that kind of space, to even say that, you know? And now it's like so much more, you know, we all use those terms so much more uh, casually or, you know, and in a correct way, but it is still something that 
I mean, my whole life being as an actress, I was trying to pass as not, uh, you know, uh, someone of color. I was like, no, I'm white. I'll straighten my hair. I'll highlight it, like I'll whatever to get the job, to play Mel Gibson's daughter. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And now, that's what I'm actually being like supported on, or that's where my career is going. And even though that's great, it's still not an easy transition because I still have that from the past, you know, where I'm like, but I've been trying to pass <laughs> for a long time. And now as I'm trying to accept myself and my personal life and my family and friends, you're also simultaneously trying to like package it and like artistically frame it to like send it out to the world. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's tricky. It's really weird. Yeah, I mean, the concept of passing and fitting in, I think a lot of people think being mixed, it means like you're not quite enough of one or you're not quite enough of the other, but like, and it's literally that like hyphen, it's like a, it's like a subtraction, like, you know, the symbol we use, like Irish Iraqi, whereas, you know, I always think of it as like an addition instead of sub subtraction, it's like you get to experience both cultures, you know, totally. and it's not a subtraction. And um, yeah, I don't know. And I think, yeah, I've never, weirdly, it's that kind of dichotomy of never feeling out of place in Arab circles or in Irish circles, but then, you know, it's more people who aren't from either of those cultures who are like, how do you, like, fit in? Like, tell me about, like, your identity. Like, how do you, like, you know, and it's just, it's boring. It's a boring question. It's it's not like a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, I yeah, I'd like to talk about your, your art because, obviously, that's, um, it's, um, yeah, I mean, looking at you, I, I was looking at your work. It's kind of, it reminds me of like Richard Hamilton or R.B. Kitage or that sort of yeah. like, um, sort of like figurative um, expressionist work. Um, uh, yeah, what, what drives your work? What are your references? Um, what's your motivation behind painting? And uh, also to comment, like, I think there's also something like very special about having painting as a sort of like, I mean, having two professions and, and, and like, I don't know, artist friends are constantly complaining that they can only invest time in a work if it's like a commission for a show. So like, how do you think art making is different when it's not your, maybe your primary income or, or to frame it slightly differently, how does art work as a creative outlet when, uh, for, for you when acting sometimes may not? Um, yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, as I said, when I started, it was out of an urge to like, just have to express. And I had always drawn when I was younger, but like, in little notebooks and nothing I ever showed anyone. So I never had confidence in my hand, you know, I was just like, yeah, I just do this as a nervous habit kind of. And then when I was 18, um, my partner at the time had a place, uh, his parents' place in New Jersey, and he let me have the basement. And was like, you could do whatever you want here. Like you should draw, buy a big canvas, use the trash, make some collage, whatever. And it really opened up something big. And I was like, oh, I actually like really like this. So pretty much ever since then, whenever I could, I would just paint. And, um, and then over time, I would make a little bit more money. I'd work on a job and then I'd have a lot of time off waiting to get another job and I'd find a small studio and I'd rent it and I'd go in. And so over time, my studio space just kind of got bigger and bigger. And also I used to share a big space and then I finally got my own. And, it was just a practice that I kind of kept secret. I was like, this is just like for me. And I would randomly be in shows like because friends would invite me and like, you know, and I did some stuff like I went to Paris once and was on a show and all this stuff that, you know, on paper sounds rad and it was really cool, but I never felt like I understood the art world. I was like, oh, people who are my age trying to make stuff are either in art school and they're going to be seen by somebody and then they get representation and 
just all these like more legitimate steps that like is very different from acting but if it was acting it'd be like oh i just do some stuff in some friends films every now and then but i don't have an agent or anything you know and my career as an actor was like this is my job this is where i make money you know and anytime i would have moments of feeling kind of like like i wasn't getting a job or i wasn't working as an actor the painting would be like on fire you know i was like well maybe i'm actually have all this time and i come to the studio every day and thank god in between you know hiatuses of working i was able to make something and it really helped it like i think that any artist or really anybody like you could be a doctor or whatever but like you need to have some kind of artistic like expression and some like release and so i found it super helpful and it really supported my acting because it's like i wasn't obsessed with like waiting by the phone to see if i was going to get an audition or something i was like i was able to just paint and also uh, painting is like nonverbal, so you don't have to like think for once and it's not about being seen or anything or how you look or what shape you're in or whatever. So it was a really great conversation I could have with myself kind of and just like build my confidence. Um, and then yeah, over time, like I, I bought this studio a couple years ago and I had my own show here and sold some bigger pieces and you know, I'm still very much trying to like figure out the in-betweens of it all. But um, I, I totally understand that feeling of being like, if I don't have somebody being like, we need this many pieces for this show, then like, it's not gonna be, you have no drive. You're like, what am I just making this work for no reason kind of thing? So I definitely have that. Um, but over the last year, I've become friends with lots of like really successful visual artists who are amazing. and they've kind of given me some guidance but also more just like confidence like just keep making stuff instead of obsessing over how it's going to where it's going to be seen just like keep making stuff you know and i'm lucky right now that i i work as an actor so i can afford this space and i can afford to take the time to just keep making work and i always hope that they both like work together simultaneously you know i mean with both your acting and your art it seems like you do take a non-traditional approach in that it, it seems it doesn't seem to think like you're not going to drama school or not going to art school um yeah. and it, in that way it is sort of like a radical pedagogy of how how to get your foot in as it were like it is this um it's it's yeah it, you're kind of creating your own paths and like um and yeah what would you would you advise that that's the way to to go or or do you think you know people there is value in sort of the institution as a as a framework for like art education or for acting or um yeah or do you think it's all about sort of like trying to carve your own make make your own way and carve your own roots um, yeah i think it's it's very like it depends on the person you know we all have like different opportunities and i think you kind of have to take them as they come and, and things that feel right um you know acting class never felt right to me i tried to do one when i lived in new york when i wasn't working i was like maybe i should do theater and try and figure that out and it just nothing ever clicked and um i i was always someone who kind of learned by doing a lot better um but i mean if i was to ever give advice you know i would say that it's really it sounds so strange but like it's really about building your own confidence of like you have to kind of build the strength in your kind of community, other artists you become friends with and like follow your instincts of like, who do I feel go good around? Who do I connect with? Who do I like their work? 
and and the, their opinion maybe I'll listen to, you know, more so than a teacher or like all these people who are like, this is what you have to do if you ever want to work as an actor. It's like, I don't think that's true at all. Um, you know, and you end up making stuff with people and that becomes something and it's like, we're all trained very much, I think, in any kind of professional arts to only look at the product. And really it's so much more about the process of making it. And it well, that's what I think makes more of a career, like longevity is like, you just kind of start to build your own voice and your own style and you kind of try and make it. And it's like, as much as like, I'm, you know, somewhat established in, in Hollywood or whatever, at the same time, I'm still completely like, you know, there's like some big part for like a lead ingenue. And there's still as much as I'm like, I'm the cool girl who's like making my own shit. I'm still like, will you pick me? Like, I, I would love to be picked to be that role, you know? So it's like, there's always going to be this voice of comparison of being like, am I doing it enough? Have I learned enough? Blah, blah, blah. But um, yeah, I really think that if you're kind of starting out, you have to just keep doing stuff. If you want to be a filmmaker, you know, you want to learn how to use a camera, take a fucking class to learn how to use the camera, but then just start filming stuff, start making it, putting it out there. There's so many more venues to put stuff out there now. Um, if you want to be a painter, it's like, do you want to learn how to use oil better than the way you do? You keep messing up, then like take a class or something. But um, at least for me, I, I never really understood the idea of like waiting for permission from other people to tell me something's good, you know? And um, you kind of just have to build your own voice because people really respond to that more. I mean, that's a, I think that's a good no note to end on. <laughs> follow, follow your own voice. <laughs>